0: Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Cat Toy from Blue Quill Angler. Cat shares her fly fishing journey and how she went from novice angler to Blue Quill guide in only a few years. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout-out to this episode's sponsor. This episode's sponsored by our friends at Norvice. Their motto is, tie better flies faster, and they produce the only vice that truly spins. The holidays and show season are just around the corner. Head over to wwwnor today to find the perfect gift for the tire on your list and to see if the folks from Norvice will be coming to a show or expo near you in 2023. Now, on to our interview well cat welcome to the articulate fly
1: well hello there how, how how's everybody
0: uh we're just trying to stay out of trouble that's kind of my standard saying and we have a tradition on the articulate fly we like to ask all of our guests to share their earliest fishing memory
1: earliest fishing memory was with my grandfather and my younger brother uh, we would go fishing i lived in a little ski resort town Mammoth Lakes, California, and we would fish the lakes and the creeks and the rivers. Um, We would limit out pretty quickly um, and don't tell anybody, but we would, the limit was 10 and we would each get 10 and then we would go home and put the trout back in the house and then go back out and catch another 10, so (laughs) we were, we really loved to fish.
0: Yeah, poaching at an early age.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Oops, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. And so when did you get drawn to the dark side of fly fishing?
1: Uh, Recently in uh, May of 2018, I had a friend, his name is Eddie, um, asked me one day, he says, hey, what do you think about going fishing, fly fishing? And I said, okay. And I didn't know what I was getting into. I just thought, you know, I've fished a lot in my younger years. And I thought, sure, why not?
0: Yeah, neat. And, uh, you know, the amazing thing is, you know, you're a self-taught angler and you went from not fishing like four years ago. And now you guide for blue quill anglers. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and kind of how you improve so quickly?
1: Yes. Um, so I started fishing, uh, learned how to fly fish over at the frying pan, um, with my friend Eddie Yost and, um, We would go almost every weekend, and uh, we kind of had some parting ties, and um, I wanted to still kind of learn how to fly fish, and um, so I decided to take it on. I took myself to the rivers. I tried to figure it out. I struggled out there. I When I lost everything on my rig, I had to try to figure it out. There was nobody to ask. Um, And so that's probably how I kind of learned quickly because, you know, if you're out there and there's nobody else to help you, you have to figure it out. And then, um, you know, of course, I struggled how to catch fish and I just had to try to figure out where they were and, you know, what what the entomology was and observe what's in the river um, and flying in the air. So I just did a lot of solo trips by myself, and I think that's how I got to really get to know fly fishing. I know it's not um, you know how people normally do it, but I didn't know how good I was until um, I was fishing and I would catch fish. And I would turn my head around and I noticed that there would be somebody watching me. And, uh, and they would say, oh, no, no, go ahead and fish. It's just fascinating to watch you fish. You, you, you're amazing. And I thought, really? Amazing? What is amazing? And it didn't really occur to me how how good I was until I started fishing with friends. Because friends started to reach out to me and say, hey, let's go fishing. And then I realized, you know, gosh, I'm fishing just as well as my friend Phil or my friend Steve or my friend Mike. And um, who knew? Um, So when I actually got on board with Blue Quail, so there's a story behind that as well. um, I was kind of doing a evening session out at the Cheeseman Canyon by myself. And I was upriver of a group of guys down below. It was apparently a guided trip. It was a, guide with three guys and um I was doing quite well upstream and they were doing okay down there. Um I had one of the clients kind of walk up to me and say, Hey have you uh have you ever guided before? And I said, I have and he says, I can kind of tell with your casting. And I thought, huh, okay. So he went back down to his trip and spoke to his guide the guide was asking what's her story because she's like killing it up there and he said oh she says she's guided before and come to find out it was pj d'amico from blue quill um came up to me and said have you you've guided before i understand um would you be interested to guide again i said i would and so i met not only PJ but I also met Chris Steinbeck and that's kind of how, how it all started. They just kind of noticed me on the river and and uh, then we started talking and here we are
0: <laughs> yeah well it's neat too because people also don't understand um, that you have a really great work situation so you're able to spend I don't know 150 200 days a year on the water right
1: That is true yep every chance I can get I I'm out on the river. It's not because I, you know, of course I love fly fishing, but it also balances out my nursing. It kind of is a good uh, way of decompressing, um, you know, just that solo time away from that grind. You know, the the uh, healthcare is very stressful since the pandemic, and fly fishing takes me away from it. And then, you know, on top of the many days that I am fishing. I'm also scouting and learning the rivers too, you know, for guiding because I can't be good at what I do unless I go out there and fish it myself.
0: Yeah. Really neat. And I know you're an accomplished downhill skier and motocross racer. I think you raced for 10 years, right?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. I, I raced in the uh, 30 beginners class. And then um, I also raced in the women's class. It wasn't a lot of women that raced, but Um, I, as with fly fishing, I just really put my head to the grind and just practiced and learned the tracks and learn how to, you know, do those doubles and the whoop sections and and the tabletops. And I didn't want to be that girl that didn't belong out there. I want to be just like, you know, I could blend in with the guys. And that's that was what I shot for.
0: Yeah, and I know you mentioned before we started recording that you've been skiing since you were three, so was it a little different experience uh, for you downhill skiing, or did you have a similar kind of really intense focus to improve really quickly there as well?
1: Um, Downhill skiing, I was pretty good for, um, you know, I was probably an intermediate skier, strong skier. Um, I didn't get better as a skier until. Probably when I started to really, you know, turn my calendar around and, you know, put over 120 days into ski season, that's when I really start to really improve and just throw myself almost anything that and see if I could successfully accomplish it. Um, you know, of course, there's steps to getting to that point. Just don't um, throw yourself down a, a, a trail that's not something that you can do um so yeah i kind of did that one on on myself as well
0: yeah you know and most of us don't you know i would love to have the ability to fish 150 or 200 days a year so you know if you're a uh an angler that can only get to the water kind of a a more i will just say a regular number of days you know what are some of your suggestions to kind of come up that learning curve a little bit faster um you know
1: there's there's a couple of things that I noticed with people um, when I go to the rivers. And of course, we all want to get there quickly. We all want to be out there fishing and, and getting a fish in the net. Um, I think the one thing that people should think about um, to improve, I always tell people and clients that when you're on your fishing day to just kind of hang, hang tight and don't just jump right into it a lot of people go right into the river that I guess they think if they've got waders on they just go right into the river and that's how it starts but I always encourage to not get into the water right away to fish those edges because more often than not there's a lot of fish in there and how how often do you when you come up to a river do you see fish just you know dart out so I always encourage people to start slow and easy. Um, Don't get rushed into it and relax about the whole thing. Um, When I was learning how to fly fish, I would get frustrated and I would see, you know, make more of a mess to myself than I necessarily need to. Um, You know, for example, if you get stuck in the trees or in the bushes and I would get aggravated and I would lose my temper but you have to just, you know, take a deep breath and um, carefully undo yourself. And it's, not, it's frustrating, but um, when you put too much anger into it or frustration, it just causes more frustrations. And um, I, I think it kind of shows in your performance of fly fishing. Um, so if you don't get out as often, I think, uh, gosh, you know. Every time you get out there is to practice your casting, practice uh, learning how to read the water and, and figure out where the fish are, learn, learn the entomology, see what's flying in the air, what, um, what, is, what can you see in the water that's floating close to the banks. That's the, those are all clues of how to get better, I think, very basic stuff.
0: Yeah. And so so as you were learning, were you kind of doing the book and the YouTube thing? Or or I know you've got a lot of really great shops in your area where you kind of go into your favorite shop and asking questions.
1: You know, I, I probably like everybody else, I did do the same thing. I did, you know, come into a fly shop or call a fly shop and say, hey, I'm fishing this river. What do you think I should fish? But I also learned that that was not a good way of learning how to fly fish. Um, it, it all comes, I mean, every river and every creek is different. So and every day is different too, just because you might have a fantastic day yesterday doesn't mean that t- today is gonna be just as amazing. Um, things can change with weather, water flows, um, temperatures of the day, um, you know, hatches. So. There's a lot – that definitely is a lot of learning, um, and there's no assumption that, that, you know, yesterday is going to be just as amazing as, as today will be. And, um, I mean, every day is – you learn something new, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. So you were kind of discovered – Uh, on the water by a guide from Blue Quill. But before that, did you sort of have a light bulb moment where you're like, you know, I think I could guide people. I know you said you had guided before, but, you know, when did you sort of get that guide bug? Uh,
1: You know, I was a uh, nursing educator for many years and um, had some great success, you know, teaching nurses and CNAs, um, certified nursing uh, aides to how to, you know, do tasks and uh procedures and properly as well as um you know knowing about policies and procedures and i thought you know if i can teach that and there's enjoyment in teaching with people i thought i really love to fly fish and i really love to teach why not teach fly fishing and i thought I would love to try the adventures of being a fly fishing guide. And so, um, yeah, I kind of reached out and, um, it's intimidating as a woman, but, um, you know, we are all capable ladies out there that who are guides. We, we can be just as good as, you know, all the rest of the guys. So, um, yeah. So that's what I, that's what I've pursued.
0: Yeah, that's neat. And so, you know, you were self-taught as a flying lure, uh, were you kind of, are you kind of the same way on your guide journey or have you had people that have kind of mentored you into that?
1: Um, you know, I've had some guidance with the guys at Blue Quill.
0: Um,
1: also it's still a learning process. I think, you know, as a guide, you can't be, I cannot be a good guide unless I am doing my homework. I call it fish homework. So what that is, is I go out to the rivers or the creeks and I fish it and I, and I study it and I look at the entomology and, you know, where are the fish holding? If, if I don't do that, I don't think I could be a good guide. So um, often people will find me fishing by myself. And that's that's exactly what I'm doing is I'm scouting. I'm learning and I'm making sure that I have my homework done so that when I have a guide trip, I'm um, I'm ready. You know, cut the clients are gonna catch fish and that's that's the important thing. That's why we're out there, right? So um, I I definitely have to have my, my game going. So that's what I do.
0: Yeah. In need. And so I guess Blue Quill is an evergreen, right? Yes. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit uh, for folks that may not be familiar with the shop, kind of, you know, what the guide offerings are out of Blue Quill.
1: Um, so at Blue Quill, we have, they have half day, they have full day walkway, they have float trips available. We also have private waters, which are fantastic. They have, they have rawhide, they have Abel Ranch, they have Shawnee Meadows, fantastic waters rivers to fish um what else can i tell you about so um and i feel like with all these guys that i've i've met with they are very knowledgeable what what is going on with the rivers um it's it's great to learn from one another um they also have uh, classes available to learn how to fly fish. There's like Fly Fishing 101. There's women's class, Introduction to Women's Fly Fishing. Um, I got a chance to teach that this summer. And it's, it's really cool to see uh, brand new people who have never fly fished or even touched a fly rod um, and see them take their classroom knowledge and then we go on a half day guide trip and then seeing them catch a fish is just amazing. And just how, how uh, excited they get. Um, There's also, what else is there with the guide offerings? We have, um, I think we have some of the best guides. We've got Mr. Pat Dorsey, of course, we've got, we've got John Keefover, Bob Dye, Chris Steinbeck, we have some really great people on board and I feel very welcomed with these guys. They've been um, very welcoming with having me join on Um, and it's great. We can collaborate and help one another, you know?
0: Yeah, we, um, it's interesting too, because, you know, with Pat's tailwater books, there are a lot of people that tie those patterns to fish like the South Holston and some of our tailwaters here in the Southeast.
1: That's probably where, where I first started to learn, learn how to fly fish was at a tailwater. So I didn't know, you know, when they say, well, the tailwaters they we fish very small midges, and and I I got a feeling and understanding of what that was about because that's where I kind of learned. And so when we get the opportunity to fish larger flies, it's uh, it's kind of awesome.
0: Yeah, it's neat. It's always interesting to kind of look at kind of the regional, um, you know, people obviously learn to fish their fisheries. And um, it was interesting when I was out, uh, you know, and I got the chance to fish with you and Phil and other folks about some of those really interesting uh, things that I think, you know, maybe are not uh, specifically unique to Colorado, but are certainly part of Colorado fishing. Like I would say the proportion of site fishing. Um, that we did that day, we fished oh, yeah. together way higher than, you know, what we would generally do in the southeast because usually we're covering more water. Um, and then that kind of just pivots into, you know, uh, I think you and I were talking about this uh, last week when we were preparing for the interview, sort of that, uh, that sight and thing where you've got, you know, three three flies and you're basically fishing that inside track and really kind of dropping the shot to then swing that brace of flies towards the fish. Um, it's kind of yeah. interesting, yeah, to do that and then to bring it home, right?
1: Yeah, um, that, that is true. Um, I didn't actually know a whole lot about sight fishing until, um, I guess when I started fishing with Phil, and um, we, we fished the Cheeseman Canyon and Deckers, and that was kind of new for me. And um, now I understand, you know, wow, now it's. It's so much fun to do that. And um, interestingly with clients, you know, they're more often than they're not familiar with that. And when they get to do that, it's it's pretty exciting for them as well.
0: Yeah. We've got a couple places here, like on the Davidson River, it's not a, not a tailwater, but there's a lot of the, the fish are highly pressured. Right. And so if they, Mm -hmm. you know, were to disappear every time they saw a human being, they'd starve to death pretty quickly. Um, (laughs) but that's a pretty good place. But yeah, it was kind of funny. I think I might've mentioned to you too. It's like, I was talking to Landon about that he's like, oh, that's in like chapter four of this book that I wrote. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing. It's one of the reasons why I like traveling to fish so much as you learn so many different things and then you can kind of bring those home and kind of put them in your toolbox. Um, and you know, yeah. yeah, And so, you know, we're recording this kind of early in November, we've just gotten off daylight savings time. The days are shorter. You want to kind of walk folks kind of through the arc of your fishing season and kind of what it looks like in the guide season for you.
1: Yeah. Um, so as you know, during springtime here in Colorado, um, fishing starts to pick up around the, the, uh, months of March and April and then you know of course it gets really productive in uh May and June and July you know summertime is you know peak season um now we're we're into the fall and we're headed towards winter um fishing is still pretty good right now and you know with the mild warm days that we're having um gosh you know hope keep holding hoping that you know, next week will be the same, and um, I think last year, I think the guys were pretty busy until December. So, I mean, even though things are slowing down, there's, there's still some really good days ahead.
0: Yeah, and then you can get those good little warm afternoon and a half days in the winter time, right?
1: Yes, that that is true. Yeah. Um, occasionally, we'll have those those uh, fifty and sixty degree days, and and. Those can, that can get out, we're out there and gosh, you know, that's, that's something to really enjoy during, during the months of November and December.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, what's a day on the water, uh, like with cat toy and how's it different, do you think, than what other guides do and offer on the water?
1: Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure if every guide does like what I do, uh, like I said, I cannot be a great guide unless I do my fish homework. So I will scout and I will fish it um, before my I get a trip um, on the river. Um, I have to know uh, what's going on, you know, with the, be familiar with the flows, be familiar with um, the hatches that are going on at that, that period of time of the year. Um, You know, I think for guides, you know, we're we're working with people, and I feel like you have to be very uh, people friendly. Um, I think that if you know, if you don't have the, if you're not really interested in people, guiding is probably not your thing. Um, If you really enjoy people and you want to teach them, this guiding is really rewarding. It's uh, extremely exciting. And, uh, it's gosh, you know, it's, uh, definitely a lot of fun. And I meet you meet some incredibly neat people all over the United States. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's all about enjoying the day.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I can't help myself every time I have a guide on the podcast, I always like to ask them, you know, what they think the secret is to being a good guide.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I think patience is probably the first to be honest, Um, you know, because not everybody is up to speed as you might be. And you got to be patient with people who are just learning. Um, You got to be knowledgeable of the rivers that we fish. Um, As for me, like I said, I I have to fish it to be uh, on board with what what I'm guiding with and to be sure that the clients can get fish. Um, Being, being, you know, promptly on time, um, you know, addressing the the client's uh, expectations. Uh, We always ask, you know, what what are you trying, what do you want to do? Are you just wanting to catch fish? Do you want to gain more knowledge? What is your expectation for the day? So I think that that's a, you know, a good, secret to being a good guide you know because you're it's not about you know getting clients on fish it's what the client what what are they looking for in their day so yeah yeah that's the focus
0: yeah it's interesting because it always amazes me how reluctant anglers are to even tell their guide what they want to get out of the day right most guides last but even if even if they do ask sometimes they're scared to give the wrong answer
1: yeah um yeah it's all about you know trying to teach a lot there's a lot of teaching a lot of patience um and you know if there's if i can't really say i know all the answers but um if i mean it's we can figure it out um you know we you just it's just taking the time to observe what's around you and um familiar with what's going on with the with the uh the flies and the hatches and uh, you know there there are days too you know when the water's crystal clear you can't find any 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 you know bugs in your seine um, there's nothing flying in the air and that can get tough so you know it does take a lot of a lot of thinking and i think people think that you know it's easy being a guide but we're doing a lot of brain work that people don't, I think, realize. So, um, yeah, there is, there's definitely, uh, you know, patience and getting, you know, having to be sure that, you know, everything is set up right. And, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Kind of yeah, it's interesting, right? Because the easier you make it look the less the client sometimes thinks, you know, went into the experience, right?
1: Mm. Yeah. And you'll get clients that say, well, can you show me how to show me how to catch a fish or show me how to cast or show me how, 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 you know, just demonstrate for me. And it's, it's kind of funny because more often than not, when I do kind of do a few casts and try to demonstrate, more often not I'll catch a fish and they're just like, wow, it just looks so easy. You make it look so easy, but it's, it's not.
0: Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing, right? Cause I, I would say one of the great lessons that um, fly fishing has given me is to teach me that I can only take what the river's willing to give me.
1: That is true. I would agree with that. I think, uh, you know, depending on the conditions of the river, the weather and you know if our hatches are happening and what's going on in the bug's life underneath. Um, you know, on very cold days, sometimes the hatches are very minimal, and so that's probably what the river is giving you. And um, maybe a slow day, um, the fish may move um, so that you can see how what the river gives you.
0: Yeah. It's interesting too, right? Because you, you have kind of recently come to fly tying. When did you get interested in, uh, in tying flies?
1: Um, I would say the first year I just was so excited about fly fishing that I wanted to, I wanted to learn everything. I wanted to learn how to cast right. I wanted to learn how to do the dry fly right. I wanted to, learn how to fly tie, and I thought, this is, I'm going to go for this, and so I I took one class at a fly shop, and I struggled, and I thought, wow, this is going to be a big challenge. Not only am I trying to learn how to fly fish, but I'm also trying to learn how to fly tie, and I did get overwhelmed, and I thought, um, you know, is this too much for me? Is this Is this a good thing? And I just was persistent about it and i wanted to i just wanted to be better at what i did so i put hours into it and that you know a lot of people watch the the videos on 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 youtube or ask a friend and um i i did a lot by myself and i just it you know as always you practice makes perfect and I didn't realize, you know. Sometime later, when when I look back at some of the flies that I tied in the beginning, and I thought, I look at them and I look at them now, and in comparison, I've improved quite a bit. And (laughs) you won't know unless you save those first flies, and it's really amazing, you know, to catch fish on your own flies. And the first, the first fly that I tied was a WD forty. And I had, I tied like maybe four of them and they didn't look perfect. I thought, well, maybe they'll still catch fish. And sure enough, they sure as heck did. And I thought, wow, I've I've got to do more of this. So that's how I kind of kept on pursuing the, the fly tying. It just was so exciting to catch fish on your own flies.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because I started tying uh, when I got into it using Skip Morris's book and I... Um, uh, ran into Tim Camisa. I think it was probably at the fly tying symposium. And he or I might have you might have even been interviewing him for the podcast. And he's like, you know, if the flies aren't good, you just need to cut all the stuff off the hook and start over. And so I had a <laughs> I had a Sunday where I got the razor blade out and probably reclaimed, I don't know, probably seven or eight dozen hook various types of hooks um, and looked at those flies and they were awful, you know, too big proportions were awful. So, um, you know, definitely, although I don't know that it was, I probably should have just thrown all that stuff in the trash can and not tried to, you know, cut everything off. Um, but at any rate, um, so, uh, what kind of vice do you tie on?
1: I tie on a Renzetti 4000 presentation. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I kind of, moved up to that vice, um, last year, I thought I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going with this. And, you know, I, I think about the first vice that I purchased was from actually Amazon. It was just a little startup kit. And, you know, I think what you buy is what you, you can only, some stuff is, you can only do so much. And I feel like if you're going to accelerate, you need to get better equipment. So that's what I've done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those, um, those kind of starter C-clamp vices, they don't generally last very long. The, they they just don't, <laughs> they don't hold hooks terribly well, I guess is the nicest thing to say.
1: Yeah. And they don't, uh, I think my little kit was, uh, a, was a, like a fold-out box. And so it's not a very sturdy base. And So when you, you would tie, the whole thing would move. And I just thought, Well, now I know what it is like to at least start, and now I know I need need to upgrade.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and so, you know, you started on your own, but I also know that um, you've got a great kind of shop and tying community in the Denver area, and I also know some of the people you tie with, you know, so who are some of those folks and kind of how they influenced your tying?
1: Yeah, Um, so my good friend Philly Wani, um, I actually we actually reached out to one another and said, Hey, let's go fishing. And, uh, he was, you know, as I've gotten to know him, he was a, a, one of Umquas fly designers with the No Mercy Midge. And I just was so, uh, impressed by his fly and his, uh, his journey, he kind of shared with me of of with fly tying, um, and then you know it's been nice to, aside from fly fishing with him, and we will tie often with the West Denver Trout Unlimited, um, and it's great to get together and everybody will share, you know, you always learn something, I, I, uh, something new, and something you you get excited about or. Uh, Some of my friends are excited to, you know, tie one of my flies that I I enjoy tying and catch a lot of fish. And and, uh, so, um, and then, of course, the other people that have been very influential, um, very impressed with Charlie Craven, of course, Pat Dorsey. And I never thought in, in a million years would I actually guide with blue quill and have a chance to even you know guide with pat dorsey is um so there's a lot of influential uh tires and um even those that are not in, on the pro level you know we all learn something from one another and um it, you know just the creativity that's involved is is really cool
0: Yeah. It's always amazing, you know, to that point, like I can remember particularly when I was working with the project healing waters group here in Charlotte, you know, all these just great tying ideas you would come away with from a group tying session.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, just, just tricks, right?
1: Yeah. And you know, like, how do you, if you have a, a, an issue or a problem that, that troubles you and you can ask, one of your friends and saying how do you how do you make this better how do you how do i how do i make this um easier for myself and they'll they'll, you know we'll share secrets and ideas and you know how to make it better and it's uh gosh it's so much fun
0: yeah and it's interesting too because i also like to ask people that tie if they have like a really unusual tying tool that they can't live without
1: a good pair of sharp scissors. Nothing is worse than having a dull pair of scissors. Uh, yeah, I think that is a absolute must for me.
0: Yeah. And do you have a preferred brand, Dr. Slicks? Or?
1: Yes. Um, my, I do have a pair of Dr. Slicks. Um, and I, I treat that like gold. I I actually, at my fly tying desk, I actually have a tray that I, it's basically a, like a computer tray, like when you have a, a keyboard, mm-hmm. I basically pull that out when I'm tying so that if my pair of scissors somehow is going to drop on the floor, it won't, it'll drop on the tray because nothing's worse than when it seems like every time you drop a pair of good pair of scissors it lands right on the tips, and once that happens, you're, you're, yeah, it's, it's game absolutely over. done. It's game over, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's funny you say that. So, when my boys were younger, they're they're old enough to, I guess, if they're going to do it, they would. I would wouldn't catch them now, but um, th- I would tell them like under no circumstances were they to come in my office and take any of my tying scissors for any kind of school craft project. Oh God.
1: <laughs> oh gosh yeah can't cut papers or anything like no, that no no
0: yeah. no, no. <laughs> yeah so um between that and like leaving my shotguns alone they kind of got the got the message um, <laughs> so um before uh, i let you go this evening kat is there anything else you want to share with our listeners
1: uh well you know there's there's you know it's awesome to really meet everybody um i'll be tying at a few um, public events Uh, looking at the uh, International Sportsman's Expo. Uh, I think that that's in January of next year. Um, And then, of course, the fly fishing show. I'm not sure exactly where I will be, but I, you know, obviously will be floating around Blue Quill and a couple of other great uh, companies, including uh, Mystic Fly Rods and Shop McFly. Um, And then, you know, of course, It's always neat to uh, meet everybody on the rivers. Uh, Sometimes I'll be fishing by myself and people will say, hey, it's so nice to meet you. Um, I follow you on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, So, yeah, just come out and say hello.
0: Yeah, that's neat. And so what is the best way for folks to follow your fishing adventures or to book a day with you on the water? Uh,
1: Booking a trip at Blue Quill Angler. Um, You just have to call the the fly shop, Um, and that number is 303-674-4700. And then, of course, you know, like I said, I'm often found on the rivers fishing. Uh, There's often times when I go to a river and um, sometimes I'm not. Uh, feeling alone I always bump into somebody that knows me and they're like hey are you cat or hey cat yeah and so you know and that's all great I, I I really enjoy it um you know just getting to know everybody and and uh you know getting a chance to fish with people people always ask me, hey I'd love to fish with you I said hey let's do it um so yeah uh you know and you can all always find me on you know of course there's the social media there's the instagram and there's facebook um and then i also have my own fly fishing blog i I write blogs for um, some fly fishing companies um that's probably another way that i've also learned quickly is doing the researching and writing you know real informative blogs to help people learn as well
0: yeah very neat yeah and i'll drop all that stuff i'll drop uh, the shop information and then your instagram and your facebook uh handles as well as your uh well as the link to your blog uh, so folks can easily find all of those
1: great sounds good
0: well well, listen kat i really appreciate you taking some time out of your uh, nursing and fishing schedule to spend some time with me
1: i appreciate it thank you very much marvin
0: take care and be well
1: yes you too thank you
0: well folks I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And please remember to head over to www.nor-vice.com to check out all of the holiday goodies and Norvice's 2023 show schedule. Tight lines, everybody.